finances were so tight i was choosing between two socks at the 99 cent store <laughs> it was down to like dollars and i saw that software and i said how hard is it for me to have something like this and sell it and so i went on upwork made a post that's like create a chrome extension that can collect emails from facebook groups a random dude was like i can build it and i said all right and so i got it i launched it to an email list of 25 people, because my email list was not that great. Two people said yes to paying me $7 a month. I was in a room in the desert, the wind blowing and the dust and all that shit. I was trying to close the door and I saw those two sales come in and I was like, this is it. This is it. This is the beginning for, of the rest of my life. Like if I can sell two, I can sell three, I can sell four. Welcome to the Ravi Abhuvala Show, where we show you how you can build a business that produces cash without you, so you can live the life you deserve. So Kim, tell me what is one decision that you've made that has made all other decisions in your business easier? investing in myself so that I can decide in what order I should be doing things because uh, the what I've discovered is the downfall and the dissembling of a lot of companies, small companies at least, is that the leadership, um, they make decisions too quick or and even then a wrong decision is fine. We make mistakes all the time as entrepreneurs. Sure. Um, it's the matter of course correcting uh, and getting guidance on the course correction is probably the biggest lever for me. Wow. I've actually not had anybody say that yet. I want to go a little bit deeper in that. So you're saying, obviously, it's okay to make mistakes. We all know it's okay to make mistakes. But identifying its mistake earlier on than later can save you quite a bit of money uh, and probably time as well. And you're saying that one of the ways that you are identifying mistakes earlier than later is from investing in yourself. What do you mean by investing in yourself? Investing in... Um, in coaching, investing in um, team members who have different perspectives than you do, don't come from the same place, investing in different perspectives, I, I would like say. That. Yeah. So obviously on the coaching side, I was super proud to say we've worked together now for uh, a year and a half. We love working with you. Your, your company is amazing. I want to go a little bit deeper in the, the team member side. So you said getting people that have different perspectives than you in order to kind of hear those perspectives and, and help you make decisions a little bit better. Give me an example, maybe, if you're comfortable doing it. Like, What is something that somebody on your team had an idea about that you maybe disagreed with, but you were at least happy that you heard their side of the story? Or maybe you did end up agreeing with it, and it was in total uh, contradiction to what your idea was. Yeah, so not so much team members, I would say. It's more like um, the mentors that I spoke to. Uh, I, I would think of a certain way. I would say it needs to have this and this and this and this done. It needs to be this way. And then someone would go along and say, no, it's actually this. And a specific example would be, uh, for the longest time, I ran my five-day trainings in my Facebook group, and I taught people how to think differently uh, and shift their mindset so that they can say yes to a life that they could live if uh, they say yes to themselves, and then they say yes to the program. So the longest time, I would tell my story how I would tell it uh, in my brutal truth, which is, um, you know, I moved to the desert by myself, started a dismantling company, hired 
buff, manly men with tattoos all over, spent all day with them, parting out cars. And that has nothing to do with Facebook group growth. So I would veer people's um, mind off of the the real, the story I should have told, which is, you know, I started a group. I went through the pain of DMing a bunch of people. I interviewed people, but then my popularity didn't match my bank account, you know, Um the way I tell the story and the way I have them travel through the same types of feelings I feel in that journey is the focus I should have done. Uh, speaking to a coach made me realize that. And so when I changed the way that I told my story, it made a big difference in people connecting with me and converting. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Having uh, when you're, because I agree with you, I think we all have unique, interesting backgrounds and stories. But the secret is obviously tying that into the sales message, the marketing message in order to make it congruent. I just spent like the past seven days, I created a 380-slide video sales letter in the nice. past few weeks. Yeah. And, and that was like, so you were just talking about you shooting this video today and you are telling how exhausted you are. I cannot, I'm right there with you. I promise you. We, we just did a new launch today and it has been, took up everything. But I was like, you know, thinking of back my dad's cancer and the law school thing and the first company I started and where we are today. And it's just, it's interesting because I've actually told that story in multiple different angles. I've told the story in the side of you're someone looking to get in making your first dollar online, getting the online world for one of our offers. And then I've told that exact same story, but just changed the viewpoint on it for someone that's looking to scale their business, right? Mm -hmm. So literally the exact same story, but what you talked about there with the perspectives on how you kind of construe, like what does this desert thing have to do with that? I'm sure you could maybe even eventually have found a way to tie it in together. But um, but I, I love the way that you're breaking that down, which I, I can't, because I didn't actually know that about you, so I can't just skip past this part here. So, what, what can you give me this background story of like this desert men thing, and you have these people <laughs> with tattoos, and like, so what, how does that play into like your origin story of an entrepreneur? When I graduated college, uh, I was spoiled, as in I didn't do anything, and I just leached off of my ex. Um, he, just, <laughs> I love the brutal transparency there. He if he's paid. listening here. Thank you, right now, just so you know. <laughs> he just paid for everything, and so I. And got, where can I get one of those? Because I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, but because of that, I I didn't have to work, and I didn't have to worry about money, and I just bought whatever I want. I spent all day watching Netflix, and I just chilled out. And having that total of time freedom um, made me get used to it for two years. And then the relationship didn't work out. Uh, of course, we were young. And and then I'm like, wait a minute, I have to go to work now? And so my very first job, I graduated from UCLA with business economics. So it's not like I have a, like, a horrible like <laughs> resume. I could get a job. So I got an inside sales job, business job. And... Um, and every single day was just th th these walls of a cubicle. And uh, I remember the first day, the second day I was on the job, I'm like, this cannot be my life. <laughs> I cannot live like this what for was the, the next what was years. The, what was the company? What were you selling for the inside sales? Inside sales is um, contracts to the federal government. Okay. So it's very interesting. It's my first real job. <laughs> and you got, you got there second day, you look at the cubicles, and you're just like, this cannot be the rest of my life. So how... How do we go from there so to men in the up, desert? So I was like, all right, I need to learn how to make money online. So I Googled how to make money online. That's literally, I just wrote a VSL script. That's exactly <laughs> what I did. I showed a photo of how to make money online. That's funny. Yeah, and I stumbled upon this five-page PDF about how to do drop shipping. I'm like, oh, no product? Okay, cool. <laughs> and so I would list these items. It said to go to the last O of Google, type a, a 
name and then type the word dropship after it. Go to the last O and there would be these warehouses that aren't like, you know, uh, busy with yeah. work. So I typed solar panel dropshipping. Went to the very last O, found a random uh, company in California. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we do dropshipping. List <laughs> our stuff. So I listed it on eBay and my margins were super low and the stuff was so crappy because it was like refunds from China and all that stuff. But it gave me a taste of like, oh, I can make money online. Whoa, whoa, before we skip, well, give me the, so you threw it up there first day sales. Is it yeah. like a week there was sale? How you know, did that work? It, like the first day I wow. threw it on eBay. And someone bought it, and it was a $56 solar panel. And my margins were probably $14 or $10. You can buy individual solar panels? How do you, like, plug it in? I don't even know how that works. Like, a- I, It's drop shipping, so I'm not buying anything. No, I mean oh. the person that's using the solar panel. Like, what do you – do you charge, like, a phone with it yeah, or something? Yeah, it's like a solar panel kit okay. uh, for um, uh, lights outside on your lawn. I see. Or in the back pool. Got it. So it's all these – Solar panel stuff. Interesting. And, so and, first day, you literally get sales. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And I'm like, oh, this works. And like, I'm quitting my job now. This is everything I. No, ever needed. no. <laughs> I I I realized that. So in my eBay effort, I saw that car parts were selling. So I researched like what was selling, and I knew car parts sell, this sell, that stuff sell, and I knew that car parts was such a booming industry on eBay, used parts, um, and I looked into buying. In my whole research, I decided car parts. I looked into buying cars whole, and you could part it out. Like, you can buy a car for 2 k part it out for 15 k It takes about three to five years to sell every single part. Wow. But what you're doing is you're really collecting all this inventory so that you have that income coming in, people buying little parts. And are you literally disassembling the car in this example? Or I guess that's how we're going to get to the desert. Like, I'm thinking, like, how, <laughs> how are you, how are so, you like, taking the car and disassembling yeah, so, it? so uh, I saved up my money from the job. Okay. And, uh, and this is, like, saving up money to the point where – I didn't go out at all. I said no to all my friends' birthday invites, just everything. I didn't even go to eat fast food. Like, not one trip to McDonald's. I saved every single penny because I'm like, all right, if I'm going to do this, I need to have at least $20,000. That's in my head. Uh, And uh, the first car I parted out, it was in my dad's front yard. And there's a story (laughs) about that because— You cannot just have car parts strewn out in the front yard (laughs) with a car frame. Um, I recruited a a dude that I know that's like a wrench person in high school. And I said, hey, Hui, his name is Hui. Can Can you part out a car with me? And he's like, okay. And we did that. And in our neighborhood, someone called the cops because all of a sudden, like 10 SWAT people with guns like descended on us and it felt like the movies because they're like like you know get on the ground and oh I'm my like, gosh what? <laughs> so you know they push it they put us on the ground and i said look we're not doing anything illegal and we're not doing anything weird i have the green i have the title for this and once i showed them that uh they like left us alone oh my gosh but they told us like we should have like told our neighbors or something because a bunch of neighbors called the cops. What were they thinking that like you had stolen this car and you were just like chopping it up in the front yard for everybody to see? (laughs) They're like, this is the worst criminal I've ever seen in my life. uh, Yeah, because that's where our garage was. Um, So day and night for two weeks, we parted out and then we listed on eBay and immediately it started selling. Like we bought the car for 2K 
and one headlamp would sell for five hundred dollars. Wow! And we're like, oh wow, this this is it works out really well. And I asked him, do you want to be my partner in this business? And he said yes. And then when I saved up enough money to move to the desert and got this warehouse, he he looked around. He's like, Kim, you know, you're like one of those people who don't know how to bake anything, don't know how to cook, and then wanted to make a bakery, <laughs> go into business and make and uh, create a bakery. And I said, kind of like that, you know. <laughs> I don't know anything about cars. Um, but then, uh, yeah, after a month, I'm like, I'm gonna buy him out. So like, I bought my partner out. No right way! Like, yeah, wow, you're was- like a hustler. You're like a badass. That's kind of <laughs> like- making me. So wait, so I want to pull a few pieces because people that are listening at home, they- I'm sure they have the same questions that I do. So you go. Uh, the warehouse, did you just like, okay, the only way I can take this thing to the next level is if I do like two cars a week or four cars a week. And in order to do that, I have to have a Is that kind of your line of thinking of why you got the warehouse? Yeah, because I didn't want cops to descend on me again. Sure. And I'm like, oh, what is a place that I can lease? And um, no one's going to really bother me. And I saw uh, pick apart you know, yards, but, you know, I can't afford a yard. So I looked around and there were warehouses deep in the desert. This is like deep in the, you know, near the mountains where there's barely any human, like, homes. Is this in California? This is California. Okay. It's in Hesperia. I still have it. It's it's there. You still have it? Yeah. I, oh, wow. I we have should a throw an event there or something like that. Wow. <laughs> I have a wrecking yard in California. Anyways, um, because of that, I'm like, okay, I'll get a warehouse. And surprisingly, they'll let you lease two years um, on a contract, and then you do have to put it down. So six thousand dollars, because it was two thousand a month. Six thousand a month. Okay. Uh, you know, three months rent. Um, I paid that. And were you? Were you? Is this once again from the savings from the inside sales, or were you profitable enough from your uh, from taking apart the cars that you were actually paying in the profits to get the warehouse? Um. No, it was my savings. Uh, so you were even going kind of deeper in the hole, but you just saw the vision that this was going to work, essentially. Yeah, I knew it was going to work because okay. I knew if I bought these cars, it's it's going to—we listed it, and it started making money, but it wasn't like $6,000 right away. I'm like, oh, okay, I need to do car number two, and I'm not going to do it here. <laughs> I'm going to do it over there. Um, and yeah, he was—he uh, toured the warehouses for me, my friend, and— and then I I went. And the guy that, the landlord, he he looked at me. He's like, huh, are you really <laughs> going to do this? Like, like, yes. <laughs> and when I hired people, it was off of Craigslist. And all of them were like, you know, like super burly. And I would, it's weird, but I didn't really fear death because um, I don't know why. I'm just, I don't care. And uh, so I would spend all day with them and like really learn how, these men took apart cars. I didn't take apart those cars myself. Um, they were doing it for me. Um, but like it started off with just absolute blank warehouse. Oh and my then gosh. I, I negotiated um, pillars, you know, those metal like racks. Racks, They're called yeah, racks. yeah, yeah. Um, I, I went and I signed up for all the wrecking yards auction places so that I could just purchased the cars online and then I figured out the inventory management of it and the ship station how that ties into uh, like managing eBay and Amazon and and then I negotiated with the 
shippers like UPS, when you're at a certain volume, you can negotiate. This better is rates. like kind of so a few things are which has nothing to do with my current. Coaching. Yeah, I know. Which is like so. The, here are a few things that are on my mind. First of all. <laughs> It is kind of amazing if you think about it that this all started from one few page PDF that you downloaded online and you're creating this like that's always when I remind myself because some people do knock on like online education or self-education. Not some people. A lot of people do all the time like, oh, these people are scams, whatever else. But that person – and I don't even think you paid for that PDF, did you? Was it like a free PDF or did you pay for it or – it was 99 cents. 99 cents. And like literally totally transformed your the like way the trajectory of your life from this 99 cent. It just blows my mind. I always have to remind myself that. The second thing is um you've done a lot of kind of like business like really business savvy things, negotiating pricing at volume and like getting the warehouse and buying somebody out. And obviously you didn't have a lot. I guess you did go to school and had some kind of a degree in that as well. But wh- where do you think – were you just figuring this all out on the fly? Like h- how did you come up like, all right, I'm going to buy you out. What's a fair price to buy? Is these things you're just making up as you go or how did you know? Oh, yeah. It's definitely making up as I okay. go because when I bought him out, I'm like, well, the account is – because I bought him out for his eBay account. Um that's the reason I partnered up with him. He had an eBay account with 800 stars. He was selling uh, rims. Uh, he was doing that. So I'm like, uh, instead of starting my own blank yeah, one, smart. I'm going to buy that out. And then I'm like, I'll pay you a dollar per star. And he's like, $800? And I said, yeah. And he said, okay. So, <laughs> so I <laughs> bought like it for $800. You, you simplified it. No lawyers, star, dollar <laughs> no, per star. I can, it was I can, like a dollar per star. I can respect that. And, and what are your um, – and I usually we don't spend this much time on the story, but this is pretty cool. And I've known you for a while, and I've never known anything about this, so I, I love this. But what your parents immigrants into this country, I believe, right there, yeah. yeah. So immigrants yeah. in this country, you helped you probably go to a really great school. They're expecting this like job and like you know. Oh no, they didn't pay for any of it because it was all like loans. It was all me. It, they they helped me with my life, as in like they fed me. But uh, yeah, they didn't expect. Like, so they, they had no expectation. So what – because, you know, my dad's from India. What he expected me to do and what I'm doing right now, it couldn't be further oh, from it. So, like, yes, they they're thinking you're in, you're in this warehouse. You have these, like, men in here. Like, yeah. and you're taking apart cars. And they're like, she went to – what you go to UCLA, I think? Yeah. It's like this, these two things. So what are your parents thinking at this point? Were they ever telling you not to do this? Were they encouraging oh, you? Oh, man, were they, they were the- severely disappointed. Really? Severely. Were you staying at their house? Were you living at their um, place? I – when I got the warehouse, I moved to the desert and uh, I got a one bedroom place. Um, so I lived by myself. Uh, and how old are you at all this? Uh, twenty four. Okay. So I I did that at that age. Um, yeah, because I went to college and then I freeloaded and I didn't do <laughs> anything much. Um, and so at that point, yeah, my parents were severely disappointed in me, and I felt really sad. I didn't talk to them for we didn't talk for six months, and um. They thought that I was going off on the deep end. <laughs> like she moved to the desert by herself and she's like she didn't she chose no to being a doctor. Was there was there times in your own mind where you thought you had gone off? Like were you ever chance in your head that you were like this might not be the right thing? Was there any kind of moments alone anything like that? No. Really? I had so much conviction, conviction. in myself that I have it a lot of respect work. for that. Wow. Yeah. Like I'll figure it out. Uh, however it works out and I like I remember uh, finances were so tight. I was choosing between two socks at the 99 cent store. I'm like, which sock should I choose? And my friend at that time was like, buy both, Kim. I'm like, no, I need to be careful. So it was was down to like dollars. And uh, I was uh, in the hole for 
about four months. It was like negative, negative, negative break even until until I started earning because I had to pay for the warehouse. I had to pay for people. Um, and how were you making the payment? Just credit cards? Uh, credit cards? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was just doing credit cards, and then then it started getting positive and. After that, um, we expanded into two warehouses and so best yeah. best month in this in this you know business that you have here that you're gonna come out with a course how to create your own body shop business but but <laughs> no. the best month you had cash flow profit what was like what were you guys doing I'm kind of curious um. It wasn't like crazy. It's not like the coaching I know. It's world. not like, yeah, we're in the online world now, obviously. Yeah. I know that, but I'm just curious, you know. Mm, my best month was around $65,000. Wow. In yeah. profit? In uh, revenue. Uh, and that cost me around twenty dollars $20,000. So like $40,000 in profit? Yeah. Twenty-five. Wow. I mean, that's still pretty impressive for someone that's 24, 25 years old. I mean, you, that's yeah, what a doctor makes. It felt, it felt like a lot of money, but I see it as like, okay, this is more cars I can buy. Yeah. Um, and, and so, so what I'll was buy that, what, more cars. Yeah, what was that tipping point that got you out of that? Like, So walk me kind of from that to almost where we are a little yeah. bit today. How did you go from this like desert girl to the online girl? Yeah, so one day, uh, my second warehouse, I got a three-by-five car, uh, a three-by-five, a letter that's like, Kim. Something got legalized. So uh, that warehouse is now going to be a grow warehouse. And uh-huh. I'm like, oh, my <laughs> gosh, a grow warehouse right next to me. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to attract people. And so um, I felt like I had no control. And and then I I'd like to bet pendulum. So I went all the way to the other end, which is how can I have a business where there's no inventory, there's no... Uh, it's unlimited inventory. There's no warehouse. There's no physical thing at all. So I thought of software. So that's when I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll try to figure out the software world. And that's when I created a Facebook group, which comes back to here. I I lost like $200,000 in inventory because they make me move out of the second warehouse in three months. So I did like a massive sale. I liquidated everything because I didn't want to move all that stuff. It was like packed from the floor all the way to the brim of oh like 10,000 SKUs. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to try to figure something out, but it's not this. Whatever this is, I'm scrambling and this is not okay. <laughs> and um, and yeah, so I started a Facebook group. And when I started a Facebook group, um, I was copying and pasting there were three questions that you can get to ask if people come into your group. And I was copying and pasting the answer, um, the questions and the answers into an Excel sheet. And I, I'm like, wow, this is super manual because I was trying to build my list in the Facebook group to sell some kind of software to them. That That's how my mind worked. Like, and where, how did you come up with the list. idea with the Facebook group? Um, my that wasn't friend, really like a thing, right? Yeah, my friend Rachel, she's like, Kim, this online world with no inventory is called affiliate marketing. <laughs> and then, you know what? You're just one affiliate link away. And I said, okay, <laughs> let's do that. And I created a Facebook group around, it's called Affiliate Marketing for Entrepreneurs by Kim C. Dang. And does I that Facebook group still exist or is that transformed? Transfer- I changed okay, the title. Got it, got it, okay. But I knew nothing about affiliate marketing. <laughs> and <laughs> Once again, right back to the, just like, the baker owner who has no idea. Yes. Wow. Uh, and yeah, and I started interviewing random people because I thought that's how I could build my list by getting their pe- getting their audience in. And Spencer Meekum said yes to me, even though I was like a nobody. And I started 
interviewing these people, they all said yes. And I developed a really good like interview cadence where it was fun and, and people were like, oh, that's a great interview. Let's go and, you know, connect you with this other person. So that's how it started. And no one was clicking on my affiliate links. I was <laughs> making no money on this affiliate thing. And um, I'm like, Rachel, this is not working. And and it wasn't until I I was copying and pasting the one day, the the email to the thing, to the, what is it? Sheet? The three questions, the email to the Google Sheet that... I said, okay, this is horrible. There must be some software out there that helps me with this. And I, t- I found a software. It's by uh, Ar- this dude named Arnie Giske at that time. Oh, yeah, he I probably know still owns it. Yeah. Um, but I saw that software and I said, how hard is it for me to have something like this and sell it? And so I went on Upwork, made a post that's like, create a Chrome extension that can collect emails from Facebook groups. A random dude was like, I can build it. And I said, all right. And so I got it. And within a week of getting it back, <clears throat> or it took a week, I got it back. I launched it to an email list of 25 people because my email list was not that great. Two people said yes to paying me $7 a month. And that was when I I remember I was in the I was in a room in the desert. <laughs> there was these ants that in in Fested my room, and uh, and then I remember the the wind blowing and the dust and all that shit. I was trying to close the door, and I saw those two sales come in, and I was like, "This is it. This is it. This is the beginning for of the rest of my life in software. Like, if I can sell two, I can sell three. I can sell four. Wow. And um, it's just there's tingles on my body because I remember that moment. I remember the ants. There were these big red ants, and um, so yeah. And and then two people said yes, and three people said yes. And then I, with all the money that I had, it was um, I I saved up at that point uh, from actually I had a, I had money at that point, so I I took it and I hired a coach for three thousand dollars, and he's like, do you know the book Expert Secrets? And I'm like. Not really, but what is it? And he's like, you should go and buy and read it. So I I bought that book and I read it. I was like, this is magic. <laughs> this this is life-changing. And so I applied the concepts of like, you know, how to create a perfect webinar and how to do all that. So I, I just went live. I'm like, I'm going to create a perfect webinar for you guys. And I started doing a webinar in my group. And people started buying more and more. Um, and I started licensing out my software um, to sell 100 licenses. And then I went to this uh, event called uh, Funnel Hacking Live. And there was when some of the people recognized me because of the software. And they're like, hey, Kim, I teach people how to monetize from groups. Like, this is what I do. I, uh, you know, maybe we can work together. And I said, all right, pay me. A, a bigger amount, and I'll be able to give you unlimited licenses of this extension. And they're like, that's brilliant. So I connected with people who at that time, like Andrew Cruzy, all these people who had like a tiny audience, and then they kind of like started growing. And Andrew like did a million dollars from stage, created his own event. And this was like before he did that. And so I started seeing my tool get proliferated in this. It creates this echo chamber effect in the ClickFunnels world. And uh, and then I realized people were finding me because I was nestled 
inside of masterminds, like $30,000 masterminds. They come in, and then part of their traffic method was to monetize a Facebook group. And then my tool would be introduced. So then I was getting connected and to all these mastermind people. And that's when I was like, oh, wow, this world is really like interesting. And so I started investing in the masterminds because I really wanted to know like high ticket world. And when I invested in my first mastermind, it was $30,000. It was so much. I'm like, people pay this for one person? Like, <laughs> what the heck? And um, but I remember so clearly, I, I was selling these, you know, $10 a month little things, $297 a month uh, here and there. I was slinging, I told my friend, I'm slinging Chrome extensions. Here's my, <laughs> here's my trench coat. You, you want this? You want that? Because I started, um, I started acquiring little tiny Chrome extension companies at around that time too. That was just cash flowing. Like, how, how would you find? How were you finding the ones to acquire? Oh, easy. I went to the Chrome Web Store where a lot of them are at, or Gumroad, or and then I would email them and I'm like, "Hey, you know, how much are you making?" And they're like, "Yeah, thousand dollars a month." I'm gonna buy your Chrome extension. Can I buy it out for like ten thousand? And they're like, "Yeah, you know, I have a baby coming along, and you know, I I can give this up for ten k. I'll pay for my baby." And I said, "Okay." <laughs> so I, I started doing that, and in that process, that's how I felt like I was slinging like a bunch of. Was extensions. that a good idea? Did you like that you were acquiring? Was that like looking back? Because I think this is um, helpful for people that are maybe on a similar journey. Was it a good idea that you acquired a lot of them? Should you just stayed on one and like made that one even bigger? Like, was that a good idea in the end? I um, I stayed on one okay. while acquiring others, so I didn't take my focus away from uh, like a main one, and I still kept on growing it. I used the others to feed it, so it would be like lead magnets for the main thing. So if someone subscribes to a little tiny extension that lets you, one of my extension lets you clone uh, pages. So uh, what do you mean clone pages? Like clone Facebook pages? No. Websites? <laughs> it's kind of controversial. Clone ClickFunnels pages. Uh, I actually got an email by ClickFunnels saying, really? "Hey, I don't think this down. is okay." Um, wow. So it would We're do that. We're just all your dirty secrets on this call. <laughs> on. This is interesting. And then because of that, I'm like, "Oh, you like cloning pages? Well, there's this other tool that I have." And so it just led to like the main tool. Got it. So uh, yeah, and yeah, so. From slinging Chrome extensions, I'm like, oh, there's this high-ticket world. So I invested in my first coach, Alex, uh, Jay Moscow. He taught people how to pitch from stage. And I'm like, okay, I want to learn how to sell, you know, sell anything, sell high-ticket. And I remember two modules in his course taught how to sell high ticket. I watched the two modules and within the first month in his program, I I did $46,000 in high ticket sales. Wow. Coming from like selling like $7 a month little things. Yeah. And I said, oh wow, this is incredible. So I started uh, selling high ticket. Um, and then I thought, hey, what if I could sell high ticket and weave it into the low ticket and then create this environment that... Um, has this monthly reoccurring income like backbone to the business so that all these subscribers that I have, I can like ascend them into that my high ticket world. And that's what led to creating um, my higher ticket program, Group Converting Night, because I have the unfair advantage of going behind the scenes to lots of groups. And I actually 
email people. I'm like, you're my user. What are you doing right? Like your group is growing like crazy. And so because of that, all that research, um, I distilled down exactly what to do to monetize a group in a two to three week time span. So a lot of my clients, they come in, they're like, yeah, I was selling this $500 course because I applied what Kim teaches. Now I did $66,000 in three weeks from a $500 course to a $5,000 group coaching program. And I said, yeah, like that's what you do. So I, I figured that out. And now that's like my gold method, which is group offer launch delivery, just to make it simplify it for their mind. But it includes a lot of like deeper level languaging, like uh, figuring out the psychographics of your buyer, um, like storytelling to when you tell your story, you take them through the way that you feel so that it hits their certain like hits their serotonin, hits their dopamine. And, um, And then I think the biggest struggle for people to convert is there comes to a point in the conversation that your mind just like <laughs> zones out and you have to bring them back to your attention. And when people like, when people go live and when people pitch their program, especially one to many, they, they let that person zone out. They don't like bring them back. So I think that's part of my secret sauce, uh, like no being aware of that and then helping my clients uh, understand that so that they can take it and put it into not just a presentation, but in the way that they sell one-on-one in the way that they like talk to their people. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. And you kind of talked about golden nuggets. I want to shift the conversation a little bit. The, yeah. the story has been amazing. And um, I learned a lot about it too, that I think <laughs> even a lot of people haven't. So I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to see the final version of this, but I do, you know, obviously I've worked together with you for a while now. You're an incredible expert when it comes to growing Facebook groups and then monetizing Facebook groups. I've seen your testimonials, seen your case studies, we obviously worked on on sales letters together and funnels. And so my question is for the person that's listening to this, right? You know, Facebook groups, let's just break it down in a very simple format. Why do you like them so much? Like, so let's say we're talking to a business owner here or an expert, they have an idea. What's so great about Facebook groups? And then I want to kind of dive into like some real tactical advice for people that are thinking of either starting a Facebook group or they already have a Facebook group. Where are some areas that people are leaving money on the table or where are they doing stuff they shouldn't be doing? I kind of want to do some best practices, but let's start with person that's listening to this. I hear all the time, Facebook groups, Facebook groups, Facebook groups. Should I do a Facebook group? What's your thought on that? Absolutely, you should do a Facebook group (laughs) because you don't need to spend forever uh, building a huge subscriber list to monetize. Some of my clients have monetized on groups of like 70 people in their group. They'll book 60 calls uh, and they'll do over $52,000 on a 5K offer um, in as little as three to five days. So the reason why Facebook groups are amazing is because it's a container that allows people to, for you to create a mass buying decision. How to do that is there is scarcity built in that group collapses if people don't engage. There's intuitive selling in there because people are open to the idea of messenger messages, which is tied into the whole Facebook ecosystem. So in one fell swoop, in three to five days, you can pitch your offer in a mass way, one-to-many way, going live inside of that container, have people gamify it so people are interacting with you. And what you're essentially doing is taking them through a shift in the, the way that they think about 
what the vehicle is. You get to sell your vehicle, which in my case is a Facebook group, but it could be anything. It could be funnel. It could be anything. Um, and then you get to sell your method, which is, I call it mine is like the gold method. You could, we make up methods for our clients and then they pitch that method. And because people are sold on the vehicle, sold on the method, and then we just, it's designed so that every single day that you do the training, it breaks down every single objection to why they should uh, work with you so that when you do pitch, it's just a warm invitation to come into your world. And that can be automated. It's an asset that can be live, but it can also be automated. You could stream a recording. Like my past five-day training, don't tell anyone, <laughs> was it live, you know? So it and um so it's a it's a wonderful type of uh world where from the comfort of your home as long as you have a camera and a laptop and a functioning wi-fi you get to sell tickets to your own show wherever you are and it's a consistent thing you can say the same exact thing month after month and uh and you can still convert and so it, it gives a lot of it gives people a lot of hope because you know, I'm not anti-webinar or anti-VSL, any of that. But when a more like a person go out to do that, it's in the silence of their room with like this inanimate object and they're looking at it and they're like trying to record something that they might not even know work. Here is an environment where they get to show up and there's people on the other side waiting to learn from them, excited, you know, waiting for that time. So... I think implementation is as much information as it is inspiration. And um, a Facebook group environment allows you to do that. Does a Zoom webinar do that too? Yeah, I would say so. But a Facebook group environment lets you like go outside of the training and talk to each other. So that's why you should have a Facebook group because you don't have to spend forever building this huge list and you can monetize on a little teeny one. So yeah, and I have some tactics for you guys too. Yeah, I wanna I wanna get into that in a second, but I, I I think what you said, I actually really wholeheartedly agree in the sense that, you know, VSLs, webinars, they can be a little intimidating. Also, you're not really having any feedback from it, right? It's like you shoot that thing, like first you gotta create it. And obviously at the point that I'm at, I've written literally thousands of VSLs. So yeah. I have a rough idea what works. But I, if I put myself in the shoes of somebody who, okay, I wanna make money online, I have a great product or service, I wanna sell it consistently, they're tired of the one-to-one -one selling method, so they wanna create a VSL. Well, first you gotta come up with the idea, then you gotta write it on a VSL, then you gotta shoot it, then you gotta put it out there, then you gotta see if it works. Mm -hmm. Where I think one of the, what you just said was so great, I think one of the nice reasons, uh, the things I like about the Facebook group is that you're getting like almost instantaneous feedback on, ideas. Like you could just make a post that says seven words on it, such as if I did a training on VSLs, would anybody want to show up to it? Right. And then you get, you either hear crickets or you hear resounding, yes, I'd love to be there. And so it's like this immediate, like you said, it's this kind of community aspect of it, which I think is so important, especially if you are on the earlier stages and you're like trying to figure out, it's it's essentially social selling, right? It's just like the ability of like you and I having this conversation, agreeing, like having a good time. And then I'm like, hey, have you thought of this XYZ thing? And mm -hmm. I'm able to potentially sell you through that versus like you're sitting at home in your computer by yourself looking at a screen and like you're not able to engage with that. So I, I love that uh, a lot. I want to get into, let's talk about a few different scenarios here. So somebody, um, 
let's say, is an expert. They are trying to figure out how do they monetize their, their expertise. They're thinking of coming out with some kind of either a done-for-you service, done-with-you, do-it-yourself. They want to do a Facebook group. Like, What are a few of the first things they need to make sure they get in place when they're launching the Facebook group to make sure that they can not necessarily monetize it right away, but like at least build something that is going to last so they don't just like extract all of the value out of the Facebook group in the first week? I actually tell my clients that they're going to monetize from their Facebook group immediately. Um, I have a Facebook group, them create a Facebook group and let no one in until the day that they're going to do their training, whether that's a masterclass, three-day training, five-day training, what have you. But um, And I tell them to go and use two methods. Organic is inviting people from other communities that are, if they're teaching real estate, then they would go into all these real estate groups and invite them in and don't let them in until the day before the training. And how do you invite them in? I want to get technical on these things. So how do you invite Um, them in? It would be... We have certain methods, which is like, hey, uh, we're in the same community. It's it sounds kind of spammy, and yes, you're gonna get rejected, uh, but there you're also gonna have people say people yes. People join, sure. Um, hey, we're in the same community. Um, I was, uh, I saw you in the community. Like, I see you saying I've seen you is a really like. <gasps> you saw me. And <laughs> I noticed that you said this, that was super valuable. You know, I'm actually creating a next level training that talks about just that or expands on what you spoke about. So when you position it like that, they're like, oh, a next level training. And then, you know, if they're like, oh, I don't know if I have time, we say it's free. So then that makes them go, hmm, it's free. And it expands on what I'm talking about and I can learn more. And, you know, we're in the same community. You saw me. Okay, cool. And so scripts like that works really well. Um, Are you going to be cussed out sometimes? Sure. But (laughs) uh, it's okay. It's part of the process. And so um, things like that. Another thing that we do with our clients is we help them run ads right away. So it's like, hey, you know, coaches, course creators, um, are you looking to do this? Well, if you are come on in to my five-day training and send them to an opt-in page, which is collecting their information, to a thank you page. And we have the thank you page redirect to the group, group. auto-redirect. So you're not... Uh, they don't have to click an extra button. It just immediately sends them over. So for all these people, they're not necessarily joining the Facebook group. They're getting the they, the Facebook group holds what they want, which is this training or master class mm-hmm. or five-day mm-hmm. thing. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. I and think then, it's important that we distinguish that because then like yeah. you don't want to be like, hey, let's just join this group. You're like, hey, come get this thing that is so awesome. Oh, by the way, it's in this Facebook group, right? Yeah. The group is a way for you to again create a mass buying decision. It's not just to collect information. And we do teach methods where once that training is over, it collapses to a main group. So you're, you can still feed this like community and nurture them. But I would not go straight into the nurturing community thing of value, value, value. I would have them come into a group for a short period of time to learn that one thing and then do the pitch and then say, hey, guys, if you're not going to engage, you're not going to interact, you're going to be kicked out. So, you know, uh, in order for you to stay in here, you got to book a call. And so that enables um, my clients to be, you know, book 60 calls out of 70 people. It's like manic. They're like, I don't want to be kicked out. Got to book the call. And and when do you transition from... Like, let's sell right off the bat, which I've never heard that. That's really, really interesting. How do you transition from that to then, like, this Facebook group that is providing, like, you know, evergreen value to these people? Um, 
You're selling right away to both audiences. I want to make that clear because one of the questions we ask when people come into the bigger nurturing group is, we help you do this. Do you want a call? Drop oh, so your phone number. So these are two number. different groups, the yeah. nurture group and then the there's a pitch group. The nurture group and the pitch group. Oh, Yeah, and the pitch group, we kick everyone out and we tell you, hey, you want to continue the journey with your peers, uh, but you know all the training will be taken down. However, we do have this other community that's like free so oh. that they can go into there and it just continues building that main group. Wow. And people coming into that main group organically, they're being asked this three questions and it's very deliberate. One question is, do you have my thing? And I say, do you have group convert? Unless you do this. So we know right away if they're a buyer or not, even at the low ticket level. So if they say no... I have my team members message them immediately saying, get my thing. And so they become an immediate buyer at the low ticket level, like 10 bucks, whatever bucks. Um, the second question is, this is who we help. Uh, do you want us to give you a call? So they'll put them their phone number. And the third one is, um, what is your email address? So we're capturing email, phone number, and we, are, we know if they're a buyer or not coming in. Um, and so that is, we, we pitch them right away. And one of the things that Facebook group allows you to do is link post to post to post to post. I call it my value post pipeline method. So a pin post in the group, it'll say step one, do this, step two, step three, step four, click here. And it's a link to another post inside of the group. And that post is like, hey, let's subscribe to each other on YouTube. Let's support our community. So the Facebook group becomes a hub to feed uh, the rest of your social media and then link to another post, another post. Beautiful. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so let's transition now. Somebody already has audiences on multiple uh, platforms. Mm -hmm. They are doing decently in their business, you know, anywhere from ten to $100,000 plus a month. And they want to do a Facebook group. And maybe it's not necessarily, maybe it is, you tell me, the, to attract new people. But maybe they wanted a community where they can engage their current prospects and or customers. Mm -hmm. how, how would you then, because uh, uh, I think that's actually a great option for people you're trying to nurture. Like people that buy our low ticket products, we put them in a Facebook group where we do live training and onboarding calls and answer questions and and share wins and I know that leads more to a higher ticket ascensions so like how, how would you would you recommend rolling it out like that would it be following the same process do you still do that kind of value chain posting what does that look like for people with already a community like um, some of our clients have a bigger Instagram following but then I would recommend them creating a smaller group for conversion immediately so that so you that first one that, that pitch group we were the talking pitch about pitch group is the first group that you create and then then that ends and and feeds a main group um i don't recommend creating the main group first and then a pitch group second just pitch group first because you're gonna have a flood we have a a woman that is great with podcasting she teaches women how to date online so she's this dating expert strategist and um her offer is six thousand dollars to help you figure out how to date online. And uh, she has a big podcast and we're like, you know, change the description of your podcast to point to your your group that you're going to do your training in. And like within less than a week, she got she the group filled up to 400 people like in a couple of days. Wow. And then she pitched her program exactly how we told her to pitch it. We're like, you got to embed these stories, these commands, you got to make sure. So uh, she pitched it and she did $80,000 in like five days. Um, 
uh, pitching a 6K offer. That's amazing. And it's because a phenomenon happens, which is they listen to her. She is this 2D, the like the sound in their ear for the longest time. And a Facebook group with her going live brought her into the 3D world. So it changes the way she's interacted with. Because think about it, when it's like, uh, when it's Instagram, um, you're scrolling and you're experiencing them in some video, but they're not like, they're not reacting to you. Uh, when it's a podcast, you're not getting that real life interaction. It's only in the Facebook group or like um, a Zoom webinar or something like that, that you're brought to life. And that kind of effect in when you're interacting with them is unlike anything else. It's so much I don't know. They feel like, oh man, that person talked to me. And you know how some buyers, they won't buy unless they talk to you. Um, you can uh, change that perspective by, you know, they they talk to you, but they don't really talk to you. So do you even recommend, this is really interesting. So even for some of those people, let's say, because I know a lot of people don't want to start a Facebook group because sometimes Facebook groups can be a little overwhelming, right? You got to mm -hmm. manage a community. Like there's ways you can automate it, I know, but like, for some people, does it make sense to not even ever have the nurture group and you could just, like, let's say you have a big Instagram following, it's growing on its own consistently, you just send people to this pitch group, pitch them, and then they leave, and then you don't even have the other nurture group, that's just kind of what the Instagram is? Like, is that possible? Do you ever see people do that? Um, yeah. yeah. Like, you don't even need to have a nurture group. You could just have a container that converts. And um, the cool thing is you can... Once you create that asset, you can have that asset stream into the same exact group. You don't need to change any of the links and it runs every cohort. It just goes. And the only people that is live are is your team members uh, coordinated that cohort. Russell Brunson actually released a YouTube video where he took his live like five day training and he and he just set the he just did the recording and it looked like it's live but he was doing 6 million dollars every quarter on autopilot without him being there uh, and one training one 5 day training would pitch his 3 day virtual event where he automated that too um and that pitched his uh 2 comma club x $25,000 uh, training. So like one training pitches another one, pitches another one, and he's selling tickets at every level wow. as well. So it's like a taste of getting into how do you not have to be there, have your team work and and do the stuff and then create this experience for your people. Because people are kind of like doled out by webinars and things like that, um, but they'll show up for an event. You know, they'll they'll set aside time for So these are like events. literally mini events is really what you're doing in the Facebook group. Yeah, little mini events that uh, forms and collapses. Wow. Yeah. That's it. I've, I've never thought of it like a pitch group like that and like either book a call or get the hell out. It's right? like creating a live event. It is. Without paying any overhead costs. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, which you and I both know, because we were literally right before the cameras started rolling, started talking about how successful live events really can be. Not just for you know, making money with the audience, but also the content, like, and uh, the community, the engagement from everybody that's there. So uh, one last thing I want to talk about here, because I have created, you know, I used to have one Facebook group now, we have like five Facebook groups, right? So yeah. I, I think that it comes easy to make multiple Facebook groups. And I've learned a lot of lessons along the way of creating Facebook groups and like scaling them. My question for you is, 
Like, what are some of the really common mistakes that you see people making when they're either launching the Facebook group, managing the Facebook group, monetizing the Facebook group? Like, what are some things that you're just like, you just want to shake people and be like, if you stop doing this, this would be so much easier or you'd be making so much more money from this? The way that they ask their questions when people come in, they're not asking for emails, they're not asking for phone numbers, and they're not asking if that person's already going to be a buyer or not. They're just asking really flimsy questions that you can't leverage immediately. People think that you can't sell immediately as someone comes in. You're basically training them to be cheerleaders, you know, people who show up to everything you do but buy nothing that you have. Um, So that's one thing. Another thing is, it's crazy. One of my group users, his group is woodworking, which is not make money online, nothing like that. Uh, And it was stagnant at 200 people a month, every single month for like years. All of a sudden, Facebook's algorithm changed, decided that Facebook groups and hashtags are important for Facebook groups. And and overnight, he started getting 30,000 new people into his woodworking group uh, a month. And it was started like, it was insane. And he did nothing different than what he's always been doing, which he treated hashtags in his group the way that you treat hashtags on Twitter or Instagram. So like in the post themselves mm-hmm. or? Okay, wow. In the post. Um, yeah, in the post. In the description. So um, because of that algorithm changed, I, I saw that and I'm like, oh, shoot, we got to have hashtags. So like that helps a lot with organic reach because um, – yeah, Facebook groups have become search. You can search engine optimize a Facebook group. And you can also schedule out, you can link your posts to RSS feeds of popular posts out there. For him, it's popular blog posts about woodworking. He'll link to the RSS feed. He'll use social B to automatically post inside of his group. And then he'll put in the correct hashtags along with those posts. And his engagement, it wasn't like his growth was crazy and his engagement sucked. It was, it went from 200 people to 30,000 new leads a month. Uh, and his engagement was like 80, 90% engagement. Wow. People were like engaging with that content because it was content pulled from, uh, you know, relevant blog, popular blog posts as well. So that's something tactically that if someone's listening in and they're like, oh, no wonder my Facebook group is dead. Like I'm not treating it with the right SEO keywords with the right hashtags. Kind of like a, the, the, I think the title matters a little bit as well too. Like it would you to go back again, I don't know what your your group is called now, but like even some of the new how ones we're to. having, yeah, like yeah. how to or remove your name of your company because like they don't really care. They're yeah. finding you organically, like really more how to do Mine's this how thing. How to monetize your Facebook group, group. right? So it's, yeah, it's very much uh, yes, how to something certain keywords uh, embedded in the description in the title, um, having it in the topics hashtags in your topic. Uh, of the group. So those are some tactical things and they make a difference. Um, You're going to see your group get a lot more traction because you implemented those strategies. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Kim, awesome podcast for sure. Uh, Amazing backstory uh, that you've shared and I'm so happy that we got to hear it. And uh, thank you for all the tactics on the Facebook groups as well. Mm -hmm. People that are listening to this right now, they love the story. They want to connect with you either uh, to talk about your story or to learn a little bit more about uh, Group Convert or maybe even Ignite, the coaching program to help you make money through Facebook groups. What's like the best place people can find you, connect with you, share with you, learn with you online? Um, yeah, all my handles are at Kim Possible Dang. You can find me on Instagram, 
Yes. <laughs> Impossible. Dang. Um, and also groupconvert.com. Just go there, uh, get a 14-day free trial or just enter your email so that you'll start seeing my emails and then you can go deeper and deeper into my world of monetization. <laughs> yes. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode and I'll see you guys on the next one. First year I did a million because that was when I started. Second year we did like... 10 or 11. Well, wow. next year was 15. It was nuts. I don't know if you remember when ManyChat came out. Yeah. Right when it came out, I started like running my ads to Messenger because I was so freaking tired of these webinars. Like I was doing all these webinars and none of them would work. We just started messaging everyone. I did at first. And that, I mean, we took over.